0: welcome to the uncharted podcast i am your host inez franklin my hope for you today is that we discover faith beyond the boundaries uncharted is intended to be a safe place for you to listen learn and challenge yourself along your journey of faith may grace and peace be with you today welcome to the show Hey folks, thank you for joining me today. I am gonna have a conversation with Andy about parenting. The two of us were talking about how much our journey of faith is affected by our cultural context, our relational context, and including our family context. And so we thought this would be an interesting conversation to have. Um, And so I'm glad that you're here with us. I hope you enjoy this and share with others. All right, Andy parenting
1: hey oh <laughs> so you just
0: I want to start out you just came back from vacation you uh-huh. had this wonderful wonderful time I'm looking at you you aren't actually not very tan I would think you'd be tanner that's because you were probably running after the kids the whole time
1: <laughs> no I, I did get a little tan it could be uh, it could be zoom lighting or something else but, oh, okay. uh, yeah
0: yes yeah, that Zoom fix and yeah. so I love you, you were sharing with me a story that happened to you during your vacation. Just to set the context, you're in the middle of parenting right now. so I have this conversation oh, yeah. I think is quite timely.
1: Yeah, yeah, and do we, or, uh, or is it the, is it middle or is it like boot camp? I mean, cause I've, <laughs> I, I only have, I have, you know, four kids under eight and- You're right. I think, yeah, right? You're it's, right? It's gotta boot be, camp. yeah, we're just getting started, so. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so we, we we just got back from Maui. Uh, we took our four kids. We're not crazy. I mean, maybe you think we are, I, but <laughs> yes, maybe we are. Um, but, you know, it, it's been really, Mercedes and I just have this, We've we've really had to like practice this mindset, and I'm sure this will get into more about just parenting in general as it relates to it, but like, we've had to have this mindset of like, if we want our kids to be comfortable traveling in the future if we want them to like be able to have memories imprinted somewhere they have to actually happen you know like mm. if they can see that in photo we went to hawaii when they were five or six and four right. it'll it should help inform help inform them that that matters to us like we're not yeah. scared to do it you know it's yeah. not going to be like well you wouldn't appreciate it but it's like well but we do As as parents we appreciate yeah. Swimming in the ocean with our kids for the first time, taking my son a hundred yards out to snorkel in crystal clear water and see fish. Wow. I mean, that's that's meaningful to me, you know. And yeah. so, even if he may or may not remember it as crystal clear as I can, it, that's not really the point. So, right. right. Um, so that being said, traveling with four childrens to Hawaii and Wait, managing in the ages, in the uh, ages eight, eight, six, four, and eighteen months. That's important. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So yeah, uh, managing the time change for the first two days was a utter nightmare. Um, yeah. You know, I'll ju- we'll jump to the story because you know, basically, we so we on Pacific time we're leaving at three forty-five a.m. We by the time we are our flight leaves at 7 55 p.m and then that's a five hour flight so you know it's that leaves us at what we're like one or two p.m three p.m two p.m i think our time we've almost done a whole day of travel it's actually 10 a.m in hawaii when we're arriving Mm. so then by the time we get to the airport it's like 12 o'clock it's lunchtime. everyone's hungry kind of tired a little bit cranky a number of things along the way have happened thus far that are making us a little bit like, oh my God, let's just please get there. Please get there, please get there.
0: Because <laughs> of course they didn't sleep in the airplane. They were too excited.
1: Oh, of course not. No, <laughs> I mean, they, especially the 18 month old. Like, you know, yeah. we brought like a little grocery store toy ball for him to play with and he's throwing it up and down the aisles. And so like oh, that lovely. was, yeah, that was <laughs> You're our, that family. Oh, we're that family. A hundred percent we're that family. Um, <laughs> and so, so we decide you know of course we're at the we're at the hotel it's like let's just eat here we're not going to try to leave or whatever we go to this restaurant it's pretty mediocre um we're just the the, the glass the table is glass and the kids are already banging forks and knives on the thing oh It just it just giving us like the you know the nerves and the anxiety nobody ever wants like to have um <laughs> At one point in time, my four-year-old puts medicine in his mouth that he found on the floor. He's like gagging, and like I thought he was gonna throw up. I ran him to the bathroom. He was fine, and brought him back. Um, The the food comes. I'm already having this this cocktail that's just not great. I'm like, man, what what is Hawaii in my mind? This this is not this is not it. (laughs) So. Uh, The waiter is pushing us to like try like these fruit juices to give them to our kids We're like okay fine not not because we don't like them It was just not the moment he but he brings us this apple juice that tastes like sugar Just straight processed sugar sugar. and I make the mistake of just being like oh, okay I'm gonna give it to my 18 month old and so I give him this you know cup of this sugar apple juice water and He (laughs) he chugs like half the thing so fast like I've never seen him drink anything so fast (laughs) and we're just like oh great he likes it but like oh that sucks it probably tastes terrible it's gonna that's that's sugar that's bad yeah moments later I'm talking like 60 90 seconds later he's looking at me like this ugly face like and starts getting upset and I'm like okay let's take him out of the seat pull him out of the high chair I'm holding him and I'm kind of you know slightly rocking him not crazy just trying to like calm him down because he's he's starting to cry and then he proceeds (laughs) to projectile vomit on oh. my face sugary a- pineapple oh goop. it was apple well it's like and it's apple juice it's apple not even juice. like real hawaiian fruit right so but it's like down my shirt oh my, my shorts down to my feet on my sandals oh my and goodness. i'm just like we gotta leave we got- i don't down. know i don't know where <laughs> we go it's not that
0: easy to turn around
1: <laughs> no yeah oh well, yeah but like at least just back to the hotel room i'm like we just have to go to the hotel room and not leave for a little bit and just let figs change regroup. so anyways but so here i am so the food had just come like only maybe minutes oh. before i'd eaten like half of it and i tell mercedes i'm like we got you got to get the check we have to leave we have to leave and so i go to the bathroom I'm like how am i going to clean myself up like you know and you know the only option is like the sink is too high i can i'm like how do i get water on my feet you know this isn't yeah. gonna work maybe you, got, you guys can hear where this is going but <laughs> in this man in this men's restroom there's like the higher not the toilet no not the toilet <laughs> Well, there's in the men's room they have these higher urinals where the water flushes from the kind of the top oh. down on the back like a waterfall. Most oh. men know what I'm referring to, and I don't I, have a clue. Yeah, so I'm thinking like, okay, I can if I can hold my foot up and not touch the toilet, I think I can get the rinse water for the toilet to wash off my feet. And so, you know, with while I'm holding an 18 month old, imagine oh he's with you, he's with me. Oh, totally, because I'm cleaning him up too, of course. So oh. he's with me. So imagine me like I'm holding this 18 month old who's Squiggly. just like. He was squiggly style. and like grossed out and, you know, like in a daze because he just, you know, threw up. And I'm, I'm like holding my foot into this urinal trying to rinse the water off oh. of my feet or rinse this off my feet with oh the water. Oh, my gosh. And it works. It does work. And so, um, unfortunately. Okay, par-
0: that's parenting tip number one. Men's urinals are good places to wash your feet. <laughs> <laughs> If you must, if you a must,
1: way. If you must, yes, there is a way. You
0: never know when you might need this. You'll think of Andy.
1: Yes, you. <laughs> and yeah, wow. it, queuing uh, Jeffrey Goldblum. Life will find a way. <laughs> that is the way. So uh, yeah, um, that was okay. that was kicked off. Uh, right, it was like the middle of the two day. I, I, I could hardly say. It. Anyhow, fortunately. We were there for seven days the last five days were epic and the best time and so uh but you know it, it was just that was the uphill battle uh to the get from to there the, from there
0: well i guess it couldn't get worse
1: <laughs> fortunately no sort of fortunately sort of. god fortunately it did not get worse fortunately yeah. that was probably the worst the worst of it so oh my know, gosh thank goodness well
0: you know and that just to me it's a good picture of like you know parenting is is not an easy journey <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> It has a lots of ups and downs and yeah. so much is, I mean, over our heads <laughs> most of the time. I we I even, even like that picture of you, I'm thinking of that picture of you just vomited all over thinking, how am I going to clean this up? <laughs> and just that sense of like, how, how am I going to do this? <laughs> How am I going to do this I, this is not what I had in mind when I would be the parents at all if they had told me this was going to happen I don't know <laughs> <laughs> and you know to me that 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 kind of goes into then my goodness in the midst of all those things thinking about faith and how to pass on our spiritual heritage or our thoughts or our beliefs or our questions to our kids seems such a privileged conversation right Yeah. like, are you kidding? I don't have time to think about that. I'm trying to survive my kids. But in reality, possibly even the way that you responded to that experience had a great deal to do with the way that you view the world and the Mm -hmm. lens through which you live out your faith. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. even if you had a bad, I mean, let's just say a lot of times we don't respond well to things, period, even if we have a strong (laughs) faith. But how we recover for that, and how do we deal with it? All that is coming through some lens, right? Spiritual lens.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. Yeah. Parenting itself acts as a lens. I think a lot of us use to how well our life is going, mm-hmm. how well, how good of a person we are, yeah. um, how how well others perceive us. Um, it's interesting how much weight it really carries. And something you just said, I almost might might like not disagree with but more like to consider is that and more or less maybe call out that maybe there's an issue with that because I think I think you're right that we look at conversations about parenting and spirituality as a privilege when I think in fact it's actually probably more commonplace than we realize and I think maybe maybe in America we've drifted from how much parenting and spirituality actually plays into a large way that life actually plays out I mean because when you think of like stories in the Bible or imagining parents orating these stories to their children to pass on, you know, to tell stories about what they think God is like, you know, to tell stories about these different people that they experienced in their heritage and the values that those are then created in their own heritage and all of those things. It it probably felt much more normal. I think in more communal based communities that are very family oriented, spirituality and parenting probably had a large, just major factor in people's lives where in America, since we're so individualized, it seems like more of like a, a niche conversation. When it in fact, might seem that way, yeah, That's right. True. So That's you know, true. it's kind of it's, it's interesting to think about that.
0: Well, wouldn't you say that in a communal context, it isn't just the parents that are passing on information, right? There's there's more people sharing the load right. of telling those stories. Now the parents each. Especially today, there's this sense of like to each their own, which means you're responsible for your kid's journey. No one dares to speak into that unless you give them permission, and so mm. then we are kind of left on our own in a way. It's, it feels feels like it might be a good thing, but it also can be overwhelming to do oh, it on our own.
1: I think it, I think it's just it, it's an overwhelming topic. Period nice. now and so even in that context that I just explained like if we just like just in our own context of like here yeah. we are yeah. um, You know to each their own <laughs> to, to Just jumping off in that way like i Mer- Mercedes and I have we've considered a number of times recently of like What where do we glean good parenting from like where mm-hmm. what is what can't like it, it's it's just when we think about that It's really interesting about how what's even available to start building your own path to resource yourself to be a to be a developing parent i think that's actually a very strange it's a very uncharted journey like you know i mean that's really <laughs> well, like it really is
0: and especially when you go to the bible and you see so many examples of really really bad parenting yes. <laughs> it's
1: like yes who's I a mean, good parent in the bible <laughs> totally and that's like it, and if it's in your mind that good good parenting equals good person I, I, yeah. th- we, I think we have to dispel that. Like, it that's just, I, I do not think that that's a perfect circle. Like, it's mm. its not. Like, it. I mean, especially, I mean, there's so many examples of bad parenting in the Bible. My goodness.
0: Well, it's, it, so I, I was sharing with you that I'm working on a sermon for uh, a Mariners Huntington Beach. And I'm going to be speaking on Hezekiah. And Hezekiah had a terrible father, terrible father. Mm-hmm. And then he turned out to be a good king how does that happen and then he, he ended up having a son who was a terrible king the worst king in judah so it's like oh my goodness is there any hope for us mm. as parents <laughs> right? mm-hmm. because in, it is one of the things about kings and chronicles is like good king bad king bad king bad king good king it's like well how did that happen randomly um so yes now mm. let, let's sort of give a little context for kind of where we both come from tell a little story about my, I'll tell you my journey. Maybe you can share yours. So I grew up in Puerto Rico, one of seven kids. My mother raised us on her own and she rebelled against the Catholic church, Roman Catholic church. It's a big thing in Puerto Rico. It certainly was when I was growing up. I haven't been there a long time, so I don't know what it's like now, but I remember growing up with this sense of you're either Roman Catholic or you're just out possibly going to hell. And so my grandmother... My mom's mom was just furious that my mom left the church. And so she decided to raise us and give us spiritual um, you know, she would take us to church all the time. She took us to first communion classes. She actually worked on, you know, with my mom on naming us. So we would have meaningful names that came from a journey of faith. But my mom was like, hey, I get my own relationship with God. I don't need to go to church. There's a bunch of hypocrites there anyway. So my mom never went to church until we were older, much older. So I kind of grew up in this, I would say kind of a split world of well, you have to go to church, it's important, or no, you don't have to, you can have your own relationship with God, figure it out on your own. And then this big fear of hell, a lot of fear of hell, there was a lot of talk of hell, and fear of even the Bible, because you know there was, don't don't just read any Bible, because you have to read the right Bible, or you're gonna get deceived and lost. So I pretty much started on my journey of faith uh, through my grandmother, and left it when I moved out of Puerto Rico and away from my grandmother and kind of didn't become a believer until I was 40. So that's kind of my journey of faith. And so my kids, I have three kids. I have a son who's, my goodness, I'm getting old, 37. (laughs) A daughter who's 32 and a daughter who's 28. And they were already born and, you know, my son was already a teenager when I became a believer. So they, they were raised with my journey of faith being a little messy and confusing for me and for them. And then all of a sudden they see their moms sort of shift to this particular church and this particular faith and reading the Bible. It's like So they experienced this sort of confusing thing too. Um, so that's a little bit of my, my background. How mm-hmm. about
1: you, Andy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up, um, so I grew up attending Kind of like a I guess like a, a non-denominational offshoot of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ and so like like people like folks who had like whatever were planted or launched out of that church to go plant but then they weren't a part of the same association or whatever. So So wait, the
0: Church of Jesus Christ is that a non-denominational? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's okay. a, it's not, an association.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, no, it's Church of Christ. So it yeah, I'm church sorry. Yes, yeah, so okay. it's Church of Christ. Okay. Um and so it's it's you know, it's it's association but not to, not denomination and so um uh, uh, but that church was like very uh just very conservative in the sense of not probably not only in political view. I was this was in like your Belinda, California, but um but more so in like you dress nice to go to church. Mm-hmm. We didn't have it was all hymnal music, so no instruments. Um, church was like three hours. And oh, so it was wow. long. A lot of
0: singing? I mean, what there do was, you do for three well, no, I
1: mean, it was like, yeah, you had teaching, you had, you had singing on the front end, but then you had a whole sermon just for communion, and we did communion every week. And, wow. And I'm all for that. Communion is my favorite part of church, but like, it was like yeah. a 30-minute or 20-minute teaching on just communion. Then you every did communion, Sunday. and then it was like, okay, we can dismiss the kids, and they can go to their classes. And then there was like a teaching that took place after that. And so um, it, it was... Sunday school was kind of mixed it's complicated so um anyhow it church wasn't very big like our I didn't have like a youth group like that group that I participated with it was like if you were in junior high you were also in classes with those who were in college because there was only probably 12 or 10 of us or something like that um and so uh, I um you know, and it was it was very it, it taught heavily on baptism and so and and salvation and so it was very much like you're only saved if you're baptized and mm-hmm. it just really felt like the only thing that anyone was concerned about is was whether you were saved or not and so mm-hmm. it was very ticket to heaven kind of thinking as far as like what I remember and what most people were concerned about was basically once you got there everything seemed like you're set and then we mm-hmm. just kind of did you know teaching and just had church and so thing is though. I think I might have talked about this on another episode too, is those that some of my relationships with um, some of the other like students in that church really started to deteriorate and kind of break down because it was like the pastor's kid I was really close with was oh, yes. incredibly mm-hmm. hypocritical to the point where then like I was being bullied by a couple people like in my young church experiences, like out, like even on like a Wednesday night Bible study, I almost got a fight with a kid. And then like, and then at school where I had, really strong friend relationships with this pastor's kid and a number of other friends. Like I watched him act completely like a different person compared to how everyone else saw him at church. And so, Mm -hmm. um, that was really, that was a a huge disorientation process for me and really began my journey of deconstruction was actually through those relationships because, Mm -hmm. um, because folks like him were, were praised in the church, you know? Um, it was also hard for me to find narrative and language for myself in the church at that like and this is kind of like mid high school because I was I am a very creative and expressive person and that type of thing wasn't really expressed through that community experience for me. So I didn't really see a reflection of myself anyway in the church. And so for, in that way, you might argue that it was like it was it wasn't a very diverse church for that reason. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't looking at a lot of other traditions that might say, Hey, we should celebrate this way or worship this way or incorporate these things as a way to, to realize. But this is, again, this was a very kind of narrow thinking church um, or narrow teaching ideal church. Um, so then I kind of didn't really kind of through the end of high school, or early college. It felt very much like I held a personal faith in Jesus. I was baptized when I was 13 and kind of through my early twenties. Um, uh, I started, I, I, let me start that, through my early 20s, uh, kind of held that faith while I was touring and being a musician, and ultimately, like, found myself at Rock Harbor, which is how I had, you know, met Mike Erie and we've talked about that in Extent, and um, to button everything else up, I, I ended up just kind of returning into ministry, <laughs> and, then it, mm-hmm. and then I've worked in ministry ever since, like, both vo- yeah. vocationally and then professionally, and that was, you know, I was 25, so for about, you know, 13 years, you know. Got it yeah
0: you know it was interesting as you were describing that I was picturing in my mind your church I've actually been to a few Church of Christ churches so I had my own I had my own pictures in my head of what that sure. might look like but then I was comparing that and I was listening I promise <laughs> but I was comparing that to like the Catholic church that I went to and how like the the way the way that church was is the way church is for me when I was a kid in other words there's no there were no other churches to compare that to. Uh, right, I didn't have the sense that oh, this is one way of faith. No, this is the way. There is no other way. And although I had heard of other churches, again, all those people were out, and there were not that many of them, and they're they're going to hell anyway. So, you know, so there's just you just don't even think about that. So, it's such mm-hmm. a very isolated mindset of what church or faith looks like. Mm-hmm. And if I were you were saying that yours, your categorize it by salvation, right, as a priority, I think for me was losing salvation was seemed to be the thing. Uh, mm. So it seemed like we start out with salvation, but then you lose it. If you read somebody else's Bible, if you go to those churches, if you don't do the right things, if you don't confess, it was a constant, you might lose this. So you got to do things not to lose it. So very different. Right. They're very different kind of um, perspective. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, that's and true. that's,
1: and, and too, like, it was similar to what you're saying about, like, you know, shame and hell and fear. Mm. Um, I do I, feel, I mean, that backbone, I think, a lot of, like, what held a lot of this stuff together, uh, in my experience. But it, it was kind of, it did feel like all the other different faiths that were out there were, like, not the right ones, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. it kind of, it, it felt like also, too, like, there was a sense that you know well this is this is the way this is the way we believe and i mean i was taught to think that catholics weren't christians Mm
2: -hmm. you know
1: i mean it's kind of like it's it's those types of a lot of folks will relate with that with with kind of more non-denominational kind of thought it just was like some there's some weird things in there that were just taught that isn't really like a theological thing it's just something that was like said and then like you just go with it yeah you know like that's the thing it's just kind of like there's nothing here in the bible that suggests that like catholicism is just wrong half the world is catholic yeah you know yeah, and so it's yeah. it's just it's what i think about it now it's so absurd but well um, you know
0: but on the other side i remember when i first read the bible and when i turned 40 was when i first read the bible and obviously i was reading it like a mad woman looking for very specific things that i kind of had questions about and i couldn't find them i was like wait where's this where's this where's that so um it is fascinating to me how you know the the denominations and it's just people i think this is just the nature of humanity (laughs) that we compare that we try to make ourselves right all kinds of ways that we behave and the churches are made up of people so we do the Mm -hmm. same thing right and i guess uh
1: sorry i was gonna say like the relationship like if we kind of think of parenting and how that relates to because my dad was raised Catholic and then my mom was raised Methodist and so and we would go to like Methodist Christmas services with my grandma and all of that so it's kind of like I had like a seasonal experience like with Methodism and like attending and doing that and I always kind of felt like that was always interesting to me like oh they have they have female teachers and so I always thought that was intriguing but it Mm -hmm. was kind of like but I felt like oh but there's something telling me that's not right. You know, it's like there's that yeah. little like whisper of like my own tradition that, that I was experiencing that was kind of telling me that. And then like my dad's own experience with Catholicism and his family like dynamic, his own family dynamic was the thing that kind of made that feel wrong, too. Yeah. So it's yeah. like I'm under this experience of two parenting parents running from their traditions into something new. And then I'm adopting that new tradition. And so, um, you know, that plays. It's interesting to think about, how you know, as we're talking, like as we inherit you yes. know, a, a religion or a faith. What do we do with it, you know, then when it changes, you know?
0: Yes, yes. What you did for my children, right? Because the one thing that I took from my mom, because my dad was not part of my life at all. So uh, my mom was, you know, think for yourself. Like, think for yourself. Don't just accept these, these statements. And so when I did come to Mariners, is where I went when I first uh, started to re-engage in faith, um, I was terrified. Did I pick the right one? You know, did I pick the right, right. Is this the church? You know, it just so happened to be, we actually spent a year visiting a different church every single Sunday. We just did a geographical Google search and we visited all. Uh, the only one we skipped was the Mormon church, but we, we went to all the other ones, Baptist, Anglican, Catholic. I mean, we went to all of them. And... Um, and then we ended up at Mariner's as the one that everyone did a thumbs up and we stayed there. But then I was terrified. Is this the right place? Not just for me, but as a parent, for my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, h- how do you even evaluate that? We we had that whole podcast on evaluating your church, which I wish I had that information when I, first, right, yeah. when I first went there. Like, how do you evaluate that at the time when you're not even a believer, right? I mean, I had not even read the Bible. So, um, yes. So as a parent... My children, I I put my children through quite the journey of going from, I grew up Catholic. Oh, and I should say that when they were around eight or so, I got a little nervous because, again, my Catholic upbringing was you go to hell if you don't do certain things. So I became terrified that if I did not have my kids baptized... That, that was the thing, they had not been baptized. So I went to the Catholic church and I asked if my kids could be baptized, but I had to go through a process with them first. And then they had to go through their class and they all got baptized and had their first communion and all that. And then I checked that box off and I stopped going to church. I just wanted to be sure my kids <laughs> So they had that experience for about, I don't know, I think it took a year, right? They had that experience and not just mom terrified. Um, and then we, don't, we stopped going to church. That was the end of that. And then all of a sudden, mom starts going to church when they're in their teens. Mm-hmm. So my kids have gone through an interesting journey. But I came through it as a parent to you, got to, you have to make your own decisions. I just have to make sure you don't go to hell. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. But ultimately, you got to make your own decision. I'm just going to, have, I'm going to do the most extreme thing is to make sure at least that's covered. Right, right,
1: right. I mean, because, yeah, because it's like it's it, you're also exercising your own individuality by saying, well, this is the this is the responsibility I have. Yeah. Even though I also have to tell you simultaneously, but but think for yourself and think do it yourself. and do what you want. And like, I want you to find it yourself and not be forced. <laughs> but I but I, I have to make sure you get saved. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just like <laughs> that. I mean, that's obviously the competing issue with individualism. But like, it's, yes, um, yes, but that, but that's but I think that's completely normal, I think, for. Well, I would want to know generations back, three generations back, was that normal? Like, it, I would yeah. say I've heard that very commonly, though, for, um, I think, my, my parents' age, I think your age, I mean, that's, there was, we've, I mean, that, cause that's the thing, we live in a very unique contemporary age of the church. Like, that's, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know how many people get a chance to really stop and think about that, that, like denominational and mainline church life has existed significantly longer than like non-denominational than evangelicalism. Right. I mean, like there's a yeah. re- there is a reason why that has stuck around and this thing we're dealing with now is such an enigma.
0: Which then brings up the question for you as a parent, right? Mm-hmm. You You have gone through a deconstruction process yourself. You've gone through a journey. Like how do you pass on this to your children? How do you make faith important yeah. and how do you... What do you give them?
1: Well, you know, I am I am so uh, wishy washy about Sunday school now. For one, um, and I and we struggle with this when we planted Vox and and, did, and like really started to look at how do we develop curriculum for kids when we're all asking these questions. You know, because yeah. like we we can't just pull from every curriculum that's been out there. I mean, when we really look at and this is kind of like a struggle with kids curriculum, too. It's like we're teaching the story of, of Noah yeah. when it, it comes off as God, like destroying the earth to create some kind of moral key that we can hold on to the, for the rest of our life. Well, God's good because he with pretty colors. Yeah, because he he destroyed the whole world and then came back and said, well, I'll never do it again. You know, it's just like it's like that's. That's the framework for like a moral heart. Yes, you know. So it's like, but the thing is, those like we're teaching. Oh, let's teach the story of Joseph and like, oh, all his brothers sell him to slavery, and then he becomes a great king. Like, here's another moral binary. Like, yeah. there's just there's so many like unrelatable concepts that are huge like story concepts that kids have to wrestle with and yeah. somehow that's supposed to develop some sense of like relational morality and how they relate with other kids and actually develop like to me that is like this incredibly dangerous space and i it's hard because i'm like what church is doing that well now you know because yeah. it's because it's, yeah. it's kids that's the how we've established who we put in authority for the church in a lot of places is kind of upside down in my personal opinion like we get the really good teachers for the adults who actually should be able to think really well when it's like the kids and teens should almost be getting the best teachers yeah so i wrestle with that as a parent i don't have good answers for that so Mm. but like so with with my own kids though um the things that are now at least as a parent kind of overlapping that's faith related is um it's kind of like what we talked about in Dan Koch's episode. Like the gospel itself is still a good primer for how we should be in life. And I, I'm really, I'm really up on relationship right now. I kind of, you know, said that thing on our last podcast and I've, I've sat with that and that's been really good for me to even really think about. And what I said was that, um, you know, unity is, is, is created when we when we have or pursue relationship with our differences versus labeling them. Yes. And to me that's that is like its own guide for my children. Like it's Mm. really like let's learn how to respect people's relationships with the world that they have and their own experiences. And then you also get to wrestle with your own relationship with like society and how people treat you and how all these things. But like when we look at the gospel and what it's calling us to do is that there is this relational experience that takes place when we act in how God would ask us to act and what and what comes back in return. And it's just that is this very like ongoing reciprocal kind of covenant complex whole experience. and um I think that I think that is going to be a very proving nature as they grow up, and I think that might give them a lens as they go and experience the different places and faith that they might encounter and really it it asks it asks them to ask themselves like what relationship are they developing with a paradigm of thought and faith and religion in addition to what relationships are they putting out in the world and how people perceive them and need them and how they could be helpful and actually you know basically putting good back into the world and yeah, so yeah i do
0: think i do think that children ask the biggest greatest questions they ask big questions very young they're very young um, they may not be prepared for the answer, right? <laughs> right. It, the answer might be too gray and confusing if, mm-hmm. if one gives it with as much humility, right? But they, they ask really good questions. So we don't want to dumb down material, but at the same time, you're right, like how do you give them... I, I was actually reading the Bible with my grandsons, Benjamin and Will, one night. They were spending the night. And we were reading the story of Noah. And... Man, they were asking, they were asking, I was reading thinking, what am I doing reading this to my grandkids? <laughs> how do I explain this? Because I did not grow up with Sunday school, so I did not have that experience of like, how do you, how do they teach the Bible to kids? I went to church and I sat there with the adults and I had to sit still and whatever they learn, I learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? So there was not, there was no two places to go and learn, two different messages being sent. And it's all very confusing to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um... So at least that's, wasn't, it wasn't something that was pretty dramatic being sugar-coated. In one way, I feel like that I prefer that and have the really looming question like, why would God do this? Mm-hmm. Why would God do this? Like, why, you know? And we had that discussion with my grandkids. Why would God do that? Why would that mm-hmm. be necessary if he's a good God? Yeah. Um, what would it take for God to make such a decision? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an interesting conversation. They actually engaged in a really com- good conversation. Mm-hmm. Um but I realized you have to choose well what you're reading, you know, to kids and how to talk to them about it.
1: Yeah, right. And that's it's and I think there there are some folks that are probably my age and having gone through a lot of this stuff and like I'm with you. Like I don't uh I think some of these stories are really challenging. I mean, it's as you were talking, I'm thinking to myself like the flip side of that coin is like teaching about how and when jesus broke the rules (laughs) like that's interesting because it's like as parents it's like i think obviously that's also a very high concept that isn't necessarily correct for kids either though you know so i'm not saying like let's not teach the old testament it's just kind of understanding like which stories you'll build like a moral development that isn't just like let's use horrific circumstances to help create their ability to like Decide what's bad and what's good that I think it feels like that way of teaching us how the world works or that that's how we decide what's good and bad is why I think we're at this state of like kind of a very fragmented faith Hmm. is because it's like these stories are obviously significantly more complex than we give them the complexity we give them. And we're kind of just being handed it like we have to accept it. And that's just how it is. And it's like, no, that's there's there's way more in between. And um, yeah, I think it's just that that road of of in church education and development uh, is very difficult. And as a parent, and that's the thing, like, I get it. Like some parents, you're working in youth group for five years. It's like, yeah, parents just drop they're dropping their kids off. You know and we're asking like we're asking them hey what did you talk to them about what did, about? You, learn? What did you, that? <laughs> What'd you learn asking the parents and they're just like oh they didn't tell us anything it's like so there's this obviously this gap between like what kids share when they're going to youth group versus what the parents actually know about and you know, the thing that i've you know promoted through ministry is parents being like you are their spiritual advisors yes. the church is not as yeah. much as you want it to be and this is kind of go back to my early comments about like how important passing on faith as a parent actually is, it means that you are also their spiritual guidance and their spiritual counselor. The church can help with that. But like, if you're relying on the church to be that for them, I I think you got to reconsider that. And I think you got to reconsider what is the relationship you have with your own kids and like how you're trying to present them, you know, be a spiritual guide for them.
0: That's good. I also see some parents say, well, I was sort of forced in a certain thinking I don't want to do that with my kids I want them to figure that out on their own I think that was my mom she had that kind of mindset but I see it today with people as well like you know again to each their own so Mm
2: -hmm. I'm not
0: going to tell you what's right especially if it's a couple that has two different faith background Mm -hmm. that can be very confusing to kids because as parents they are looking to us to give them guidance you you can't just leave them in limbo and I mean you don't do that with anything else Mm -hmm. right I mean really we, we try to tell them this is the kind of food you should eat, right? You should get up mm-hmm. a certain time, clean your room. I mean, there's a lot of places where we're very black and white.
1: Mm-hmm. We right. can't be
0: so gray in a matter that's so important.
1: Right. Well, I think there's a difference between like saying something like that and then neglecting how to actually help develop that as a parent. Because yes. it's like, okay, sure. Like you want your kid to to be an individual and have, let them self-select their faith and like let them weigh it out. And I think part of that though is like, are you participating determine? in asking questions with them? You yeah. know, it's like, what? how are you facilitating their ability to actually do that well? I mean, yeah. you can't, it's like, so that's, I think that's the gap between that. It's a little bit of a cop-out, though, if you're just going to be like, well, they'll just do it when they do it. And yeah. I'm not even going to participate. I think that's probably a, a reflection of like, you know, the cracks in the fragmentation of like your own spiritual belief. I yeah. don't think like folks that I have met that are even would say like, I consider myself a very spiritual person, but maybe I'm not a Christian. They're also still very invested in how their kids view spirituality. Yes. Because the ones that I've met are concerned about hardline structures that might harm them. So they're yes. teaching them how to navigate those religions, those structures in those places so that they can develop really a strong spiritual view of the world. So.
0: right. right. And then to, to get to that place in parenting that you, let's assume you feel like, I did a pretty good job, you know, I, I did the best I could, I did a pretty good job, and then your kid turns out totally different than you're expected in, in matters of faith, you know, um, whatever that expectation is, they just mm-hmm. come out different. Mm-hmm. And, and realizing that, first of all, none of us are perfect parents, but secondly, Our kids do have their individuals with their own agency and their own ideas and their own view of the world, and they're going to make their own decision. Eventually, no matter what you do, they're going to make their own decision, even if you don't teach them to have their own mindset, right? right? The world Mm -hmm. does. Mm
1: -hmm. If you
0: don't, the world does. And so to hold both the responsibility to guide our kids well, but also the humility to recognize that they get to decide ultimately. For themselves,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, I think that's the challenge of parenting. Like, you want something for your kids, especially if you've worked really hard to get to a certain place in your faith, and you feel like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the shortcut so you don't have to go through all the gyrations I went through. But that doesn't always work out because kids don't always follow the path we give them.
2: Uh-huh. Right?
0: Uh-huh. I mean, How is that I'm- something you think about, Andy? I mean, I've learned that the hard way as, as uh-huh. a mom of older kids.
1: You know, it's like I think folks who care about legacy care about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think we've come across people who are like, well, my kids just going to decide whatever they decide and, you know, I can't I can't force that and yeah. there's a little bit of a hands-off kind of like I don't have control of that kind of mindset and I don't know if like if some parents have looked at legacy as something you only consider when you're older. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's just, I think that's, that's been, I've been thinking a lot about that lately because of like, you know, I won't go into this too deep, but like, you know, just with some conversations happening around right now with like critical race theory, right? Like, you know, there's this thought that if you're white, you know, you don't have to be responsible for the sins of your previous generations, right? But it's like, in the Bible, it's fascinating that there's lots that's actually said about what you do with what you've been given that decisions and things done in your generational lineage matter.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: right. I mean, it's consistent. I mean, look at how important Jesus is. I mean, that's a really important conversation about like the theology of Jesus is like, look at his entire lineage, his entire generational thing of what happened. He's like, he's of David. I mean, it's like, that is a huge important aspect to why Jesus is important, but it's interesting that We could quickly dismiss it in our individuality in how we kind of experience that here so it's like if you care about like upholding something that feels generational and legacy then you're you're going to care about how you facilitate what you give your kids Mm -hmm. so it's like i think we have to be careful sometimes like i agree with you like it is the challenge of parenting to want them to utilize their own agency I think our responsibility, though, as parents, though, is to keep caring. It's, it's that same commitment to lifelong learning that also is like lifelong parenting. You know, yeah. that it's not just like it's not just a label. It's like a course. Yeah. Like, you know, you're always going to be a mom to your kids. But to be applying yourself as a mom to your kids is something you have to actually choose. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not you're not trying to oppress them with your ideals more the more so than if you see your family as a lateral circle, you know like we're all sitting around this giant circular table once you arrive at this parenting kind of thing you're not above them or below them but you see them as peers but then we're all connected in this same way so you still would hopefully act a certain way that they might be affected by you what you believe is good to put out in the world and so like i care like generationally i've given that a lot of thought about the hopefully the future relationship i have with my kids i don't i hope that there isn't distant in the relationship that mm-hmm. I have with them, but I don't want, but and not, it's not because I'm so obsessed with my kids that like, you have to like, I gotta buy you a house next door and live right next door to me. I mean, that's not, it's not that. There's a way of like, of transcending rela- like a relationship with my kids that could, could feel as close as if they live in Indonesia and I live here now. Now granted physically, I'd love if they live near me when I'm older, but I care that what I give them, that they've got something, Because as you were kind of talking or before this conversation, you'd kind of message what we might kind of talk about and uh, thinking about like, oh, who is affecting us? You know, what spiritual guidance have we been given? And that's a hard one for me because I don't, I have a lot of disagreement with like how my parents did things. Mm -hmm. So I feel simultaneously I'm learning how to A, be forgiving of what I've been given, and then also like trying to adopt what is good, true, and beautiful from that and then pass that on but with my own translation and my own narrative like how I how I recognize for me that Food from my ethnic background is really important for me to learn and then pass on because mm-hmm. I, I, I use it as a storytelling thing and I also use it as a way to show like expression of gospel that feeding someone who needs food is an expression of gospel. And if you can make that food and share a story with it, I think that can be really impactful and really important. Mm-hmm. But like to me, that's a, That's a feature of legacy. I'm like, that's something I want my family to be known for is mm-hmm. that kind of hospitality and that kind of provision for other It's so, but that's, that's something I'm building on my own, you know? So it's like, I can't, I can't ignore that and hope that it just happens. It's something I have to practice. It's something I have to apply. If anything, I I think as parents of this age, and even if someone who's kind of like affirmed my own deconstruction and I'm reconstructing in new ways, that type of thing though, is part of my reconstruction. You know, that's That's not, that's not something I've like, that is like, Oh, here's an aspect of theology of God. It's really like, what do I want my kids to inherit? Yes. You know, and it, and because it, it it is a deep, that is actually a deep spiritual thing to me. It's like a meaningful spiritual thing, and it is through the lens of gospel. And so that's for me, that's what that looks like right now.
0: And, you know, and I, I love that. But at the same time, so often, our experiences will will jettison us in a certain direction, right? Like we will want to push away from certain things. For example, you started saying, I think you used the term, you're wishy washy with Sunday school. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which I'm not sure I understood exactly what that means. Is it that you sometimes go and sometimes you don't go, or you can't decide whether to take them? When you have never really taken them. Which, which one? What does that mean?
1: No, they've gone. It's mm-hmm. just that I am, it, I guess I'm just extremely cautious. Right. Because, because of like, your experience, because, right? Well, because, yeah, cause it's like, it's like, even as as a parent trying to uncover the the widespread curriculum base that a, a school might be using yeah is not standardized for one and secondly like it's just I just it's just hard like I've seen the training that some folks go through or no or no training some folks go through and it's just hard to like imagine giving my kids to that they, that important of a thing when they're so impressionable at a young age because yeah. obviously my kids can't maximize their ability to like navigate those conversations well at their age if anything like their impressions are being implanted because we're because the parenting as a parent when I hand them over to another adult the natural thing is that they believe that is now the authority for the moment
0: right right Right. Exactly. so yes. what
1: they say is right yes, yes. that's hard you're, you're condoning on. that adult yeah hold on <laughs> Hi, buddy.
2: Are you upset? Hey. I'm
1: sorry, but Oh, Um, he's
2: Shepard. Aw. Hi. He looks really tan right now. Say hi to Miss Inez. Hi. Hi. Are you sad? sad? Yeah. Yeah, why are you sad? Cause I wanted to land on the grass at the park. You wanted to do what at the park? I'm laying down on the grass at the park. You were lying down on the grass at the park? mom didn't know, and then we have to leave. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and, and then I was over. so bad, so I know. I don't we were. Some put the point on me, but they were. But I do I, not I want to Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, they weren't playing with you yeah oh that's hard okay um but i did not play at the park you didn't play at the park you wanted no. to lie down on the grass yeah and then play and then play yeah okay i'm sorry buddy well i tell you what i'm almost done okay and then maybe daddy has to run to um the store and you want to come with me yeah okay okay i'm going in the truck yeah we'll go in the truck okay and then can I go Someone fun with me? Uh, Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what time it is, okay? Okay.
0: The the last thing we were talking about was your Sunday school in and out kind of thing, giving someone else that responsibility, how the kids take that as an authority.
1: Yeah. So just to catch us up. Yeah, because like what, yeah, yeah, what you'd said was that, you know, it, it assumes like us giving over that authority assumes that we're condoning their authority yeah you know whatever they do and um that's 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 real tricky like my wife and i have done um a lot of dialoguing with some other folks that work in the industry really around like kind of observing child abuse and like that kind of thing and it's just it's we realize like there isn't there aren't very good standards for small organizations and how um how certain things are implemented like potty breaks to all of those kinds of spaces and so it's not to say that like i'm skeptical about like every single experience like that but I'm just acknowledging like um since I take it so seriously it's it it's starting to feel very hard to navigate Mm. and so I'm just very cautious about it these days and like I and I think it's also because I've started to recognize like oh no I take responsibility for my children's spiritual development so I'm like more concerned with like don't go and like mess this up you know for me like it's kind of you know and it's not because I'm so certain it's just kind of like it's I really and I do invest in it in a certain way, and so it's it's just that practice of like teaching, like being that facilitator and guide for my kids to do that well. And they're just so young that it's, um, again because they're so impressionable. Because naturally they assume that that person's the authority. Um, it creates more work for us when we have to like de-educate something that yeah we think undo is, something yeah undo, undo some, yeah. something yeah. that we think is like actually like oh that's like really in there now, and now I got to work really hard to get that out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. hopefully it's one, well, maybe one hour a week. So if, if a parent, and I think this is important as parents, if we're just allowing that to be the only education, the only conversation, then that has even more power, right? So to yeah. the extent that yep. we're having conversations outside mm-hmm. of that, hopefully that helps, you know, kind of normalize it within what it is that you think it's important as a parent. Uh, right. So that might even raise a question if you're saying something that's really opposite of what they heard there, if it really made a difference for them, because a lot of kids will say, I learned nothing until you say something that sparks that memory back up. And so hopefully then there'll be a conversation down the line
1: yeah, with the kids. Right. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. But, you know, again, our kids are being influenced by the world all the time, whether it's at school with their friends, um, the world the TV, the shows they watch. Mm-hmm. My goodness, I was watching some shows with my grandkids and I realized, huh, there's a lot of themes here that I'm not really all comfortable with. <laughs> so right? Right, I was like, wait a second. I didn't think we're gonna turn this off. We're gonna go do something else. Mm-hmm. So they're constantly being influenced and that's a challenge obviously um, for mm-hmm. us as parents. We could talk a lot about parenting. We could be here for a very long time. I know our audience has other things to do, but in closing, is there someone or a group of people or a leader that you say, wow, this person, person, or even someone in the Bible that you say that personifies to me a parenting posture that I want to have as far as my kids and their spiritual journey?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'll be honest. That one's hard for me. Mm. Um... Because at at certain points, I think I had looked up to, you know, different like men and leaders kind of throughout my ministry journeys, working in ministry and and those kinds of spaces. And there's been moments where they're helpful. But I mean, the thing is, like, I'm in the thick of it now. Yeah. And I feel like I feel a little bit like um, out in the wild um, Mm -hmm. a little bit because it's like as I express my own thoughts and opinions to some of those folks that I've formerly worked with. That's like, we find ourselves a little bit at odds, you know? Mm. And so it's, uh, it's, it's kind of challenging for me to place that My, my dad and I, you know, we're going through kind of like almost a new restorative kind of experience in our own relationship. And, and, and the thing is like, I think to understand too, is let me say this, like my, my parents were never abusive. Like they're never, there's no like foul play here at all, anything at all with my parents the the thing that i'm somewhat of a victim of is like uh it just so much uh gray that it, it was debilitating like so much like lack of dynamic it was debilitating it was so in, in the sense that like there's nothing dramatic or extreme or exciting necessarily about like the relationship i've had with my parents other than i was just like a bit rebellious and and the, the religious like kind of upbringing played a role in that, but not from them as much as it played with like participating in the whole in
2: mm-hmm. which
1: then I had to break away from that, but they couldn't see what was wrong with it. Mm-hmm. So you see that's like, and and our relationship wasn't such a place that I think that they relate. They were much more like he'll figure it out. It's just a phase. And so, mm-hmm. but it's like, that was actually the beginning of my entire deconstruction. If we want to just call that a phase, I mean, it's, it, it's a bit of a downplay, you know, to like mm-hmm. really how formative that entire experience was. Um, for better or for worse so it's my own my own like negative recall bias for what my relationship is like with my dad over the past like 15 years has needed a lot of work to change that narrative in my mind and so but in over the past like number of six months five months or so um, we've had like a regular like weekly committed just phone call that's just on the books and we don't get it every time but like just having space, intentionally making a rhythm and putting space to just chat yeah. um, has reshaped some of that narrative that's that's in there. And so, you know, but the thing is, is that the my relationship with him is very much an inherited thing that him and his father went through. Him and his father did um, had a very distant relationship. And I don't think my dad really knew how, really, A, recognized what I would inherit out of that. B, maybe not take as seriously over the past number of years of of if that would play a role, mm-hmm. and and C know what to even do to change that, right. and so you know and that's and that's again that's kind of like that the parenting thing I have to offer anyone that's listening that I'm going through is I'm learning and wanting and desiring to be a parent that is a very forgiving parent. Mm-hmm. That's knowing how to be a, a person of forgiveness for my children. That's knowing how to be a person of forgiveness to my own parents, right. you know, right. that knows how to be laterally forgiving of my peers and other parents that are going through so I can offer them space for empathy and, and solace. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Like I don't, um, I, I wrestle at this time in life f- to aspire from modeling, you know, and that's, I yeah. don't. And yet better, you are, because it, 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 you can't yeah.
0: help it. You're you're already modeling for your children. Oh well, yeah,
1: I are. It's like it's I'm buried. Happening. Yeah, I'm buried. Well, what I'm saying is I'm buried with the responsibility to model myself, but I'm not necessarily looking at others for how to do it. Got it. And right. that's kind of like, that's, you know, that has its, you know, many, I can hear the arguments already, the dangers of that. But it's really because like my relationships and experiences, though, have kind of left me in a place where I'm like, I, I wrestle with who to even look at that I feel is adequate. And, um, you know, the Bible, the Bible fortunately has actually helped provide me with a lot of like more ways of like, just how to reshape my view of the world and to be Mm -hmm. a gospel oriented and loving person. And it's like, okay, well, how do I just, I need to use that as my lens for being a parent. And, you know, and I think it's because I also believe that a no, no parent is perfect. And, A, it, there is no such thing as perfect parenting either. Like right. aspiring to be perfect parent is like, is a fool's errand. Yes. Um, but rather it's like continue to pursue these things of God. And there's, there's a permeation that we should expect that takes place, right? So. Yeah.
0: I like how you said you you, you aim to be a forgiving parent and son. Uh, for me, I aim to be a, a humble parent and humble daughter. In other words, uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to judge my mom for her choices, um, because who am I to judge? And at the same time, I want my children to know that, hey, I'm trying to figure it out too. Uh, I'm, I'm on this journey as well. And so it, humility is, I think, the approach I go about this in that we're all, in, we're all under a, a master, really, at the end of the day, Jesus. And he's our guide, and we have a lot to learn about him. It's, mm-hmm. it's, there's much, to, there's much we, can, we can know, we can do, we can emulate. Um, and there's much that we have to figure out. Um, mm-hmm. I know, f- I know for a fact, as a grandmother now, up to nine grandchildren, um, you know, my kids do, my grandkids do look to Nana. Nana's the pastor, you know, so it feels like a, an overwhelming responsibility, and that in itself makes me humble, not because. Not because it breaks down pride, but it makes me realize, wow, do I really even know? What, will I do this well? Will, do I know what I'm doing? Am I, what am I actually telling them? Because they may not be able to express to me what they're getting out of the relationship we have, right? Until later, we look back and say, oh, this is what I got. And like, oh, no, if I had known. Um, that's the journey of life. So mm-hmm. humility and forgiveness, those are, I think, two really good things to end with, which is really that's the, the posture we must have as parents, really anyway. Right. Yeah. And all there yeah. is a parenting.
1: <laughs> yeah. If we can't, and that's, I mean, golly, and, and none, neither of those are easy ideals, but, no. you know, I mean, that's, it's, uh, there's days where it's just, you know, to be certain would just be, that would be a privilege, Easier. you know, and, yeah. um, yeah. but you know, there's, there's great, there's great forgiveness and, and not being certain, you know? And so, uh, that's, I know, I, I feel for all you parents out there and the think of it and I got four kids. Yes. And so it's like, for the, <laughs> I've met plenty of parents that have two and they're, and they're having the hardest time and, and no shame, like it is not, yeah. like we had a very hard time going from one to two kids. And so, yeah. uh, you know, it's, you know, I, 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 I'm cheering for all of you parents out there. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. And
0: you know, if, if you got through all of this, which is thank you for listening, uh, you may have maybe thought, oh, I'm gonna get some answers here. And I hope you did. I hope you got something that encouraged you but if nothing else that we're in this together <laughs> we're in this together we're all trying to figure it out and just encouragement that you're not alone and that thankfully we do have we do have a good leader Jesus who guides us in a lot of ways so we're following him thanks again for joining friends god bless you
1: Thank you for listening to Uncharted Podcast with Inez Franklin. Learn more about Inez at unchartedpod.com. Follow Inez Journey on Instagram at Inez Franklin. Sign up for our email list to receive direct access to online experiences and more. Thanks for listening and join us again next time.